welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. You know, as we get ready to launch into uh, Heavenly Encounters, I wanted to unpack with you today uh, a thought that I can't get out of my head the entire week. I mean, thinking about it, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm cleaning, whether I'm uh, setting things in order, whether I'm preparing things, whether I'm wrestling with my kids on the ground, I can't get out of my head the idea that Jesus wants us to encounter Him along the way. Jesus wants us to encounter Him along the way. So I simply wanna unpack from the Scriptures how this is true for us today and available for every single person. But, but to do that, I have to set the scene because we're gonna look at a Scripture, one of my favourite portions of Scripture out of the book of uh, Luke chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke, the encounters that people had with the resurrection of Jesus after He's crucified, after He's been buried, after He's risen again. The end of Luke starts to set up the scene for what would come in later books like the book of Acts where people who encountered Jesus start to turn the world upside down because of everything they've experienced in Him. But to get there, to set the scene of Luke chapter 24, I'm gonna prepare this idea that you're in for a twist. It's a twist that we get exposed to as we're reading that portion of Scripture straight away. But we start to eavesdrop on a conversation with people who have no idea the bigness of the story that they've actually entered into on their journey. And I don't know about you, I love twists. I love twists, but not as much as my beautiful wife, Rhiannon. Rhiannon is addicted to twists. And this is how I know her favourite movies are those movies about who did it. They're mystery movies. She, she's addicted to mystery movies. Whenever she has the opportunity to pick the film, we go for something like that. And I appreciate the fact that my beautiful wife will endure superhero films with me. All the John Wick franchises that deserve Oscars and even the greatest movie ever created, Extraction, that's available on Netflix whenever you go to watch it. The best film ever. But Rhiannon loves movies with twists. And I know this because I almost enjoy those movies more than she does, not because of the film, but because of the way that she reacts as she's watching them. Because it becomes a spectator sport because she'll sit there intently not quite hunched over like I am now, but almost in the spirit, I can see it. And she's working out from the moment the credits start to roll at the beginning or the opening lines, she's already locked in. I'm gonna work out what's going on before anybody else does. And I can see the way that she fidgets and I know she reckons she's worked it out when she gives this little coy little smile. She doesn't say anything to me. She doesn't tap me. She doesn't say, I know who did it. She just does this little fidget, this coy smile. And then when you get to the twist, This is how I know she worked it out. She'll then slap me on the arm. I knew it the whole time. She loves it. And I love it because she loves it. Twists are good. The Scripture we're gonna look at has a twist in it that we get exposed to, but the people involved had no idea as they set out on the journey. To set the scene in Luke chapter 24, two travellers are leaving Jerusalem. And they're leaving Jerusalem with a heavy heart. They're disappointed, they're discouraged, they're processing devastation. They're so upset, they're leaving the source of the crime. They're leaving the city. So what happened is three days ago, the man that they thought was the saviour of the world was unjustly trialled for a crime he did not commit, brutally tortured, brutally murdered. 
is now dead and buried in the ground. They'd been following him, it seems, for a while. They were expectant about the things that he was going to do. They were hope-filled. But here, three days later, they're walking out of Jerusalem together, trying to process the fact that all our hopes have not been met. They've heard whispers that something's going on in Jerusalem, but they're so set on leaving the city. They start on the road to Emmaus, a journey that would take them away from the scene of the crime. So have a look at what happens in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 15. It says this, That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus Himself, Jesus Himself, I'll say it again, Jesus Himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I go on to say that they were kept from recognising Him. God Himself kept them from recognising Him. But what starts is a whole day journey with Jesus that we know they're talking to the risen Jesus, but they don't know at this point. And we are exposed to the twist before the end of the movie. And we get to watch their reaction as they start to go about it themselves. But the first thing I wanted to encourage you as we talk about heavenly encounters, as we talk about encountering Jesus along the way, is that they're doing the right thing with their disappointment and their discouragement. See, they encounter Jesus in the journey because they're not willing to run away from the difficult things that they're processing. They actually start to unpack it together. It says that as they are travelling from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they are talking about everything that has transpired. Can you imagine that conversation? They're not holding it. They're not locking it down. They're not suppressing the disappointment. They're letting it out together. And as they let it out, Jesus joins the discussion. And so the first encouragement I have for us as we as a church pursue heavenly encounters is that as you position yourself in discussions that unlock the things of God, be prepared for Jesus to join the discussion with you. That He wants to participate with you and that we have to intentionally put ourselves in a position where we'll stop and process things from a heavenly perspective. Because it is so easy to go about the hustle and the bustle and the travel from Jerusalem to Emmaus, head down, feet pumping, I just got to get there without breathing along the way and missing the fact that Jesus wants to join your discussion. I don't think it's an accident that there's more than one person on this journey that it takes two to have a discussion. That if we just live in our head and lock ourselves off from processing with people along the journey with us, things get suppressed and locked down and often we miss out on the revelation that God would actually have. That's why connect groups are so vital, so important that we commit, that we commit to doing life with others because we encounter Jesus on the journey. The first ever connect group I was a part of 
was around 16, 17 years old. I'd just given my heart to Jesus. I'd just gone to church for the first time. I was buzzing out. I had no idea what was going on except for the fact that my heart burned in me for the presence of God and I wanted to know Him and pursue Him. And I remember the associate pastor pulled me aside at the end of the service and said, here's this guy named Ben, Ben Lassiter, and he's a few years older than you. He knows Jesus and been following Jesus for a few years. How about he comes around to your house and he teaches you the Bible? Now, I didn't know that this was a normal thing. I actually thought this was a strange offer because here's Ben standing there and I love Ben. Ben's still one of my greatest friends to this day. Standing there with a huge study Bible under his arm with this massive leather cover filled with notebooks, pens and highlighters. Come on, 90s Christians, you know what I'm talking about. That's what people rocked. (laughs) Come on, Trevor, you know it. That's what people rock. And so there's Ben with this, and I was a little bit intimidated because I had this little New Believer Bible that was printed on cruddy paper that was hard to read because the writing was so small. But the fantastic thing that happened is for the rest of that year, because I gave my heart to Jesus, the 3rd of March, for the rest of that year, Ben would come around every Wednesday night and he allowed me to ask any question I wanted to ask. Nothing was off limits. He didn't even rebuke me when I cussed. It came later. (laughs) You know, some of the greatest experiences coming out of that connect group. That connect group, my little brother ended up joining us, Maddie. He was two years younger, had his own encounter with Jesus. I remember, still to this day, the first ever vision I received from God came out of that it came out of the godly discussions, came out of the journey together. See, we'd had a great time with Ben asking him questions and we're walking out to the car to say goodbye. And as we're saying goodbye, we decide we can't leave it, we need to pray. See, we've been talking about the youth of my town, Kempsey, and we've been talking about how God was maybe stirring us to do something, to start a youth ministry, to take on some responsibility, to take what we've received in God and give it to others. And I remember we just decided we just need to pray about this. Let's stop talking about it. Let's pray and put things in action. And we stood there and it was really strange. We held hands. I, I felt really awkward. I don't usually hold hands with people as I pray. And even back then I didn't. But we started praying and as we were praying, I saw a picture as if I I was watching a movie of my hometown covered in black. And I saw as we were praying, the black was violently ripped back as if it was a blanket and stripped off. That vision, that vision was, is, is as clear to me today as it was when I received it. And that vision propelled me to give seven years of my life as a volunteer youth pastor choosing not to leave the town even when I had opportunities to because I saw that vision. That vision came out of a godly discussion, encountering Jesus along the journey. What's available for you? What else happens? Two followers following Jesus, leaving the city, discouraged. Goes on to say in Luke chapter 24, verse 16, but God kept them from recognising Jesus. He asked them, Jesus, what are you discussing so, as, so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. 
What things? Jesus asked. The rest of the portion goes on. They just spew it out. They spew out all their disappointment, their unmet expectation. They spew out everything. We thought Jesus was this, but now we're left with expectations unmet, not knowing the entire time it was Jesus asking them the questions. What was Jesus' response to this? I love this. I love the fact that God will hear us out. Often prayer, the best prayer, is a type of prayer where you're able to vent, get everything out in your heart because God is open to listening. But as you're willing to unpack what's really in your heart, also be open to the answer. We wanna hear Jesus' response. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, whew, You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah, the Saviour, would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So they encountered Jesus on the journey You know, you can also encounter Jesus in the reframing. And here's what I mean about that. For the rest of their journey together by foot, Jesus unpacks the Scriptures concerning Himself the entire time. We don't know what Jesus talked about. We don't have recorded there in the rest of the account that Bible study, which would have been the greatest Bible study ever done on the side of the road but he is unpacking things concerning himself. And as he does that, he is reframing for them what their expectations really should have been. He is reframing for them their disappointment and turning it around and saying, all things work towards good for those who love the Lord. He is taking what they have and he is reframing it from a heavenly perspective. That in fact, when you encounter Jesus, that should be an expectation that we're not going into the relationship to change Jesus or bring Him down to our level, that what actually happens is when you journey with Jesus, He changes your perspective, reframes your way of living and leads you forward in Him to live the best life possible. That's what He said. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come to give you life and life abundant. What is available in Jesus as He reframes what is available in us is the best life possible. So we don't know what Jesus said. We don't know what He unpacked. We don't know what He did to convince them concerning Himself. But we do know earlier in Luke's account of the ministry of Jesus, He did something similar to this. See, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into a religious meeting, a synagogue, where people had gathered together to listen to the Scriptures together. And they get these massive scrolls, heavy scrolls, which had the words of the prophets and the teachings of Moses transcribed. And they would open up the scroll and read it out and you had to memorise it and had to carry it around with you. And Jesus walks into one of these meetings in Luke chapter 4. And as He walks in, He has the audacity to take the scroll and He opens it up to a portion of Scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And he reads it out, but he reads it out in a way that nobody previous in history had ever read it before. 
It says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. He takes a Scripture that was concerning Himself and He unpacks it to reframe what is available for those people who hear Him out. But I've got to say that would have been a loaded thing for Jesus to do because Isaiah 61 was always known as the Messiah's portion of Isaiah. And they'd been waiting hundreds of years for the person to come along who would fulfil everything listed in Isaiah 61. They'd been waiting, waiting, waiting. And then Jesus walks into the room, takes the scroll and says, I'm the one. And the loaded thing about that Scripture is that in Isaiah 61, it doesn't just stop there. That Scripture concerning Jesus actually concerns us. See, here's the truth. Everything concerning Jesus concerns you. Because what Jesus came to do was to activate you, set you up and anoint you and empower you for a life that is lived at the highest possible level. Everything that concerns Jesus concerns you. So Isaiah 61 goes on to say in the original, verse four, they talking to, about the people that Jesus had come to set free, they, that's us, that's us. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined city, the devastations of many generations. This Scripture concerning Jesus concerns us because it's about us living out of the victory that Jesus has purchased. That the one who has come to set the captives free didn't just come to set the captives free to give them a high five and move on. The purpose of setting captives free was to say, look at me, look at what is possible. Now everything I've done, go and do likewise. You are called to take what you receive from Jesus and give it. You are called to minister life in hopeless situations. You are called to go into things that look like they've been devastated and destroyed. And because of the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord that is on you, to see circumstances turn and situations shift as you encounter Jesus in the reframing. It's possible to encounter God along the journey. Where else does it go from here? So have the team come and join me. Luke chapter 4, verse 28 to 31 says this. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if He were going to go on. But they begged Him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So He went home with them. As they sat down to eat, He took the bread and blessed it. Then He broke it and He gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. The twist came and they recognised Him. And at that moment, He disappeared. I don't know what to do with 
one of the thoughts that comes out of that scripture, Jesus wanted to go on, had more to accomplish. I've got more to do in the journey. And that says that they begged him to come. I think it's interesting that Jesus responds to invitation. I think that's why it's so powerful when we pray prayers or we do actions along the lines of, I surrender my life to you. I think Jesus works with that. I think Jesus respects you enough, values you enough that He has no desire to force you, to imprison you, make you bound to a certain set of regulations and standards. But instead, through the journey along the way, the reframing that comes with that, that there would even come out of our hearts, your heart, my heart, a consistent desire that says, Jesus, don't move on. I need more. I'm begging you, Jesus, I need more. Because I've been on the road, I've been on the journey, I know how difficult it is. And now that I've encountered you, I didn't even know it was you, but now I know. I need you now. See, you encounter Jesus in the breaking. He takes the bread, which was symbolic for the culture of the day. It was the main meal. It was the consistent thing that you ate. There was no fast food. There was no supermarkets. You would carry bread with you. And as long as you had bread, you had a feed. Maybe you had a little bit of meat, a little bit of this, but you had bread. And He takes that, which is their main portion, and He blesses it. Bless you but He breaks it and He gives it to them. Why does He do that? Well, the other time He'd done this was done the very night before He was unjustly trialed, the very night before He was crucified. He'd done this with His followers. And what He had said to them at that moment is, take this bread, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is how you encounter Jesus in the breaking. Here's what Jesus is saying to us along the journey. You don't need to live broken because I was already broken for you. In my breaking, in the things that I bore in the body, in the things that I was willing to endure for you, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, the things that I did for you, take it and run with it. You do not need to live broken. You do not need to live in a way that is condemned and destroyed. You can live free because what I've purchased for you, take it and run with it. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything, just receive it. And as they receive it, Jesus goes, but He doesn't really go. He leaves a deposit of His Spirit. I love encountering Jesus along the way. You wanna know how it ends? Thank you for the two people who do. Hopefully you online like to hear it as well. Luke chapter 4, verse 32 to 33, it says this. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as He talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. (laughs) There's two things that come out. One I want to encourage you with today, but the second thing that comes out to me It's the fact that they'd left Jerusalem that morning 
And through an encounter with Jesus, they turn around that very hour and head back. They would have been walking back all evening. Why? They left a place out of discouragement. Through an encounter with Jesus, they turn around and they go wait right back where God is. This is for somebody today. You know God's called you into something and out of discouragement, you've walked away. He doesn't look back on you. He doesn't condemn you. But if you receive His breaking for you and the strength that comes from that, turn around and go straight back to where He's called you to be. But here's the thought I want to leave you with today. In person and online, they said their hearts burned within them. You know, as you encounter Jesus, He desires your heart to burn as well. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.